Hello, and welcome to Crafting Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews of makers of all kinds from all over the world, those that identify as female or non-binary. This week's guest, one of this week's guests, is Thelma uh, Kennedy, and... Thelma is a lover of all projects. She is a self-described small-town part-time woodworker that hates sanding, probably like most of us, and is always looking for ways to improve her skill set. It all started with a needed drawer, which turned into what I will call power tool creep instead of project creep, and now she takes on commission work to fit into her day job schedule and is really enjoying working with her hands. So that is Thelma of TK Woodworking. And I had the pleasure of first meeting Thelma in person at WorkbenchCon and then um, getting to follow up with her for this interview. So very pleased to get to learn more about her story and um, how it influences her making. Before we hop into the interview with Thelma, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artesian. Artigiano, Artigiano, Serio, Artigiano, Serio. Pretty sure that is correct. Candace from CJ Woodgrain, Lee, Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom, Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support, um, helping us to produce this podcast every week. And uh, if you would like to help support the podcast, make sure you stick around to the end of the episode, and I'll tell you how you can do that. All right, let's head into the conversation with Thelma. All right. Well, Thelma, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? Absolutely. Um, My name is uh, Thelma Kennedy. I am the face behind TK Woodworking. Um, I've been doing this for a little, I think, close to about three years. Um, It really just, it started in a weird quest to figure out a way to kind of just fight my anxiety. Um, I just, I wanted something that when I came home from work, it kind of just became a a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. And I weirdly enough found it in woodworking. Um, I started uh, with a project for (laughs) my wife, which was this, uh, this drawer with like multiple segments mm. for her concealers and powders. Don't like, I don't, I'm not too detailed. I just know they were like in just like a, a circular thing and she just wanted all of them to be organized. So uh, like all things, I could have just bought it and probably saved myself a lot of money, <laughs> but no, I ended up going out and buying a miter saw that turned into buying a table saw that just turned into buying a whole bunch of expensive tools. <laughs> then I outgrew like a, like this half of a one car garage. Cause my wife would still park in it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so I outgrew that and I got lucky that the back of our house has a kind of just a shed that was wired already. So I moved all of my tools into a seven and a half by 21 foot shed. And that's where all my tools live now. So that's I saw it. I mean, it's, it's it still cozy. feels like it's like cramped. But. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's 100% cozy. And the funny part is that when I first started, uh, I went to, it was here, it's called, uh, it's, it's run by Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's called like, restore to home or or restore something mm-hmm. and I I walked in because I remember when my parents had gotten one of their houses we were remodeling it and we didn't have the money to go out and buy like all like the expensive yeah. things from Home Depot so we'll just go here mm-hmm. and so I'm like I'm gonna go there to see if I can find anything you know anything that could help you know my woodworking adventures mm-hmm. I ended up uh running across a shopsmith oh yes and I was like oh this has like a lathe and like a bandsaw so I got super excited and the thing weighed so much and took up so (laughs) much space that for a really long time the majority of my shop was the shopsmith (laughs) yeah yeah I had you know I think the shopsmiths like they were big back in their heyday was like the late 70s early 80s is when their like heyday was though they're still actually like a a legit company like they still you know make stuff but I had never seen a shopsmith or heard of one either until I was in Southern California and like I lived in this area because I was in Oceanside the neighborhood I lived in at least when we moved in was like all these retired um, military people Um, because you have Camp Pendleton there and several other military bases right in the area so it's all these retired like old white dudes and they had like their um you know their shops and um one of our neighbors her husband had passed away like before we had even moved to the area but she had like his shop was like in a pretty decent sized building they had built out in their yard and it was just like sitting there full of all those tools like she just had all this stuff and so when I started getting like really getting into woodworking she was like well go take a look you know and she's like we'll work out like a deal you know a a decent price for everything so he had a shopsmith and I bought it and I'm trying to think I think I only used it twice And it was, I used the, um, I put the discs on for sanding on the um, blade for the um, table saw part. So I used it for sanding. That was it. But it had like all the attachments. It had the jointer attachment. It had the bandsaw attachment. It had all of it. Um, But as I, again, I like, like I went to um, community college there for their woodworking program. And like, I remember talking to one of my uh, first teachers. He's like one of my favorites, still in contact. But I was like, I got this um, shopsmith. And he was like, oh, God. He was like, no, walk away now. <laughs> He's like, we cannot do precision woodworking on that thing. <laughs> I got the same response. Like, I was so, I think I was just so excited to have yeah. so many of the tools that I knew that I needed. 
yeah. in one machine. Right. <laughs> I'm on the same page as you. I think I used it twice. And that shop has its own breaker box. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would flip the breaker uh, just by itself. Yes. Like yeah. it would flip the breaker. And that's, I mean, for comparison, I run my DeWalt, I call it the lunchbox planer, right. the yellow yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I run that one and that doesn't flip my breaker ever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it was trying to pull, but it kept flipping my breaker. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So, um, that's where I took on the approach. And I, as I'm thinking about it and about to say it, I mean, I know it's, it's a, it's a nice privilege to have, but it was that mentality of buy once, cry once. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, if I know that I'm going to end up replacing it within the next two years, it's not worth mine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, unless it's for like a job that I need it now and the job's going to pay for it, right, then right. that's fine. But if it's something for me, I want things to last. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, um, I mean, I moved that damn thing with us back to Iowa. Like it was like it moved with it was like the heaviest paperweight ever. Um, <laughs> and, and my wife's just like, will you please sell that thing and just get rid of it? Um, and I, I did eventually, you know, once we were back in Iowa, I, I, I sold it, but um, I was just like, yeah. Same thing. I mean, once I pivoted though to power carving, I I really don't have like a lot of the standard, you know, pieces of equipment. Um, but I just I was you're saying your DeWalt doesn't blow the breaker. I blew the breaker yesterday running my DeWalt for the first time, but I was also on the same circuit running the um my my grizzly dust collector right off of you know I had it hooked up so it was taking right off the planer and Uh then I had my room dust collector all on the same circuit um and it didn't blow while I was using it thank goodness which was interesting to me it blew like I shut off everything because I was figuring out an issue and then I realized like the plug wasn't working I was like well, that's interesting. Like it waited to blow <laughs> until I turned everything off. At least it's light enough to wait until yes. you're done using it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, you're done. I think yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have to talk about like how expensive did that drawer end up being? Is it like a two thousand dollar drawer because of all the equipment <laughs> you bought for it? <laughs> it ended up running. Yeah, I think maybe not. I mean, close, but yeah, about, about that, because that's when I started, I went to Lowe's and met the nicest lady. Her name was Debbie. And if you needed a hype woman to help you buy tools, (laughs) that lady was it. So she was good at selling tools. (laughs) She was really good at selling tools. So like I walked into Lowe's, uh, and I, I walked in with Heather, Heather's, Heather's my wife. Um, so we, we walk in, we're talking to Debbie and she's just like this awesome lady, um, who opened up and just kind of just told us her story, um, that she, she also does woodworking. Um, and she used to do construction with, with her late husband. And she told us all about that and how it's just a way kind of to remember him. And I just like, just the whole story, like, just it, like it hit like in a way like where I'm just like man like you are a strong woman like Mm -hmm. so I already liked her and she was great at selling power (laughs) tools so I walk out with 
table saw. And then the next couple of days I went back for a drill and an, an impact drill and the, the other, just a regular drill. And then I went back because I needed a router. Like it was just, yeah. So it was pretty close to like about $2,000 yeah. and they were just, uh, they're half lap strips. Like yeah. it wasn't supposed to be anything fancy. Right. And I'm like, I know I have to do like these repeatable cuts. Um, cause I tried, um, it's called, uh, a blade runner, I think is what it's called. And you put a jigsaw in a slot. And this is in my mind during the time, like, yeah. this is how I'm going to make the little grooves where it overlaps. Like I got this. So I bought it. I put the jigsaw in it and it like destroyed like this quarter inch like ply and this is not gonna work no (laughs) like this is really not gonna work so then that's when I got the table saw and I remember being so scared to use it um I didn't grow up around like any woodworking tools at all I mean my dad was a mechanic Mm -hmm. um so I was I was used to being around big tools like and I know it could translate to the same. You respect them the same. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. But like never <laughs> a blade saw like at the right. Right. Potentially like losing fingers. Like right. <laughs> it would scare me. So I'm like, okay, are you ready today? Like, yeah, no, not today. So it took me a while to feel comfortable enough to use my table saw. Um, and I just, I've since then just like started making things. I've since then upgraded the contractor saw to a Laguna cabinet saw and what? it's quieter. <laughs> I know. So yeah. I mean, go to Thomas house. I see how <laughs> it's right. I mean, like, I know that, I mean, I can't hide being on this podcast, so my wife may hear it. <laughs> and she'll start hearing all these tools that I bought and then I'll be that meme. Like, yeah. I hope my wife doesn't sell my tools for what she, for what she heard me say they right. were. Like, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, like that's essentially like with, with every project I take on um, it, I take commission work because I do have a full-time job. Um, I manage a Starbucks really close to my house. So a lot of my woodworking is done after work. So, um, I get to take and pick and choose commission. I get to be picky Mm -hmm. uh, because it all comes back to the fact that I want to continue to be happy doing what I'm doing because like I mentioned before, it's, it's a way for me to relieve, relieve stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. that builds up throughout my day. And it just keeps me sane. So I wanted to say that way. Yeah, no, I, I have so much, uh, maybe newly remembered respect for the person working full-time and then like making on, you know, evenings and and weekends for a very long time for probably the first four years of my business. I have, I've had another job always, but usually it was um, more flex where it wasn't a full 40 hours. So I would get time because really the re the reality for me anyways is you know with two kids at home I don't get to they're I mean <laughs> they're getting older now where it's like like right now you know they're in front of screens um that's the babysitter but you know <laughs> before then 
it's like they have to be at daycare or nothing's happening. Like there's just not anything going to happen. Um, and so now like my other job, like just based on contracts and stuff, I'm working like 40 plus hours a week. And so I'm like doing work on weekends and uh, evenings and I've built over the past few years, built all the social media up. And so now I'm like, like it's stressing me out that I'm not being able to like show up as regularly as I was on social media because I'm like, ah, no, it's like finally growing and I need to like keep it up. And like, it's like all those things. Um, and the fact that like somebody commissioned me for shelves, three of them, and is just having me make one right now. And it's taken over six weeks just because I haven't had the time to do it. Um, you know, and I just keep apologizing. I'm so sorry. Like this thing should not take this long to do. Um, but so I have a new respect for the whole like side hustle aspect of it. Um, and it also, at least personally, I'm with you on the stress relief of, I've had a few weeks here because of the schedule where it's like I haven't physically done anything with my hands and I'm very grumpy. Like <laughs> I'm just yeah. very grumpy. Like, in, in my head, I always ask myself, like, when makers go on vacation, like, do they start to feel antsy? I'm like, because in my mind, I'm like, I do. Yeah. I'm like, I'm enjoying my vacation. It's right. fun. But all I could think about is like my shop. Like <laughs> Like, I, like, and I, if you have like sexy like, night dreams about it, like, I can hear like the background music now coming in. Like. Yeah. And it's just, right. Like just like slow dimming lights as yes. I walk into my shop. Um, but no, like I'll be out. Like if I, I mean, usually like my like days off or like vacation-y type days mm -hmm. or like three to four days is what I take. And like, by like the third day, I'm like, I need to be doing something. Yes. And then that's why, and I've always been like this. I, I was a hyperactive child. Like I got into everything and anything. Like I was probably like a, a parent's first child nightmare. Um, <laughs> and they have further. That's the real question. That what? Did they have more? <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I saw a funny TikTok that said, if you, if you think you're your favorite, then why did your parents have additional kids? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I have, I have a, a brother and a sister, um, George and, and Jacqueline, uh, George and I are about three and a half years apart okay. and my sister and I are close to like almost 10 years apart. Okay, so, okay. um, I, uh, like I get along with both of them, but growing up, I definitely did not get along with my brother. Uh, we beefed all the time. Uh, we just, we were always going at it and we drove my mom insane. And it's because we, we did a lot of like the similar things because as a child, like I was such a huge tomboy and it's funny saying it out loud because as a kid, I hated when people called me that, mm -hmm. like I hated going to school, but the, the thing, like I would show up to school in like shorts and a shirt because I wanted to be comfortable enough to right. play soccer and football during recess. Right. And I would get so mad when it would rain because I'm like, <laughs> if it rains, I can't go outside and I can't go play. Like it just, like that was the <laughs> highlight of me going to school was being able to like right. play like right. any sport that was on tv like that was what I would get to play during school and when it rained that wasn't going to happen yeah 
<laughs> now, please tell me you knew at an early age that your path would lead to, ha- lead to having a wife, because I'm just saying all of those breadcrumbs right there is <laughs> screaming. <laughs> right? 100%. And I think it was one of those things like I it was weird because I came out probably at like 20, 21 and I was older And I don't want to say that I came out as an accident because it wasn't. I think all in all, it was just me wanting to to express who I really was and not knowing how. But um, so a little background. I was actually born in Mexico. I was born in Ensenada, which is about I want to say maybe about 40 minutes away from San Diego. Okay. Um, so is it close then to Tijuana? Yes, it's about okay. like 20, 25 minutes from TJ. Okay. Um, it's the port city. So if a lot of people have taken cruises, um, mm-hmm. the, the cruise ship will stop in Ensenada and then people will get off the cruise mm-hmm. ship and get to explore and go down uh, uh, what, what we call La Primera, which is First Street and like mm-hmm. go to Papa's and Beer and uh, Husongs and like all these places. So that's that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. except I grew up in a tiny, tiny trailer right by the beach. My dad (laughs) had, yeah, my dad had like his own little, like kind of just mechanic shop. Um, My mom stayed home and that's just after like a bit, my parents had, you know, just this plan of, you know, coming to the United States and, you know, building a life here. And so I grew up in, in Visalia. So um, all of that, like I grew up Catholic, I got confirmed, I was baptized, I did my first yeah. music. <laughs> so like I was like raised like hardcore Catholic. Yeah, yeah. And my parents were like hardcore, like we're immigrants and yeah. like all those fundamentals that you hear, like about like Hispanic and like Latin American families, like they're very strong to like yeah, their ideals. Yeah. And I was just I think part of me was in denial for a really long time. <laughs> and part of me was really afraid of, yeah, that's of, real. Yeah, of yeah. acknowledging that this is who I am as an individual. And like, I have to share it. Like I can't keep it to myself. So I was sitting outside with my dad having a conversation. And I, and I think I, I ended up saying something along the lines of like, dad, I, I think I'm gay and I think I like women and my dad turns and looks at me and at the same time my mom walks out of the slider door steps outside looks at me and she's like what do you mean and like that's what I meant like she I was so afraid of telling my mom Mm -hmm. that I was so much more comfortable telling my dad Mm -hmm. but I got a two-for-one special (laughs) because my mom came out and I ended up telling her and like that led down like a, I'd say like a hard path, but I was lucky enough that even with those like hardcore, like fundamentals of like mm-hmm. how she was raised, um, the whole like experience of when people come out to their parents and their parents, unfortunately not speaking to them, that lasted maybe like six months Okay. Um, that my mom and I, like, it was just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But afterwards, like, it's hard to explain, but my mom did a complete 180 and I could not be like more proud of like how she handled it from like that moment on. Mm -hmm. She turned, she looked at me and she said, like, 
I, she's all like, I've been trying to get like help. I've been talking to people. I've been trying to be knowledgeable about everything. She's like, and one of the things that they made me realize is what you told me doesn't change who you are. You're still the same person Mm -hmm. and you're still my daughter. And I'm still like, she's like, and I will love you the exact same way that I did before. (laughs) And we have like a totally different relationship than we did growing up. Cause growing up, all we did was fight all the time. <laughs> so like now we'll do like a lot of things together. And I'm just, I'm just really happy that she handled it the way that she did. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it was just, it was definitely an adventure. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform. Every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. Yeah, I... I grew up Lutheran, which is really just uh, slightly lower than Catholic. Like they're they're very similar, <laughs> <laughs> very similar. And, and my stepdad's a Lutheran minister and stuff. So like, um, yeah, I waited to even I waited to way later in life to come out. I think I was twenty seven when I came out to them. Like my friends all knew and. You know, I had had girlfriends, you know, it was a dual life, which sucked um, a lot. <clears throat> but I also dealt with, um, you know, probably about the same amount of time, about six months of like mine since I was like an adult with a capital A and lived in my own space um, at the time. It was no talking at all, which was odd um, for me. I wish I could say my parents came around the way yours did. Uh, they have, they have not. They have uh, eventually gotten to a place of peace. I think having kids kind of uh, helped with that. I know a lot of it was like a fear of like, well, you won't get to live a quote unquote normal life um, with having them, you know, getting married and having a family, all of that stuff. Um, but I did. So it's like, nope, it's just uh, looks maybe slightly different, but not really. We still go to the grocery store. We still fight with each other. We still like, we still like, you know, kids drive us nuts. Like all that stuff still the same. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I think it was weird because I think later on, like my mom ended up like revealing things too. And she's like, I just, 
she's like I realized that a lot of it was about me and it shouldn't have um because all I could think about was like you not walking down the aisle in a white dress and like this whole like typical Catholic wedding and she's like and then I realized like but you're with someone and and I think it did help um that she met Heather and fell in love with her Mm -hmm. um because my wife is probably one of like the sweetest people that you will ever meet um she has such a huge heart and she won my mom over and that was in my mind I was just like (laughs) I I can't believe you made that happen like my mom loves you and uh my mom ended up saying she's all like it's because I can see in her eyes how much she loves you Mm -hmm. and then she's like and as long as you're happy I'm happy and like I'm like oh my gosh like the mom that I had like like a couple of years ago, like I never thought like right. this was going to happen because my mom was very like, she, I mean, like a lot of people, she cared what other people thought. Mm-hmm. And then she got to a point where she's all like, you know what? No, mm-hmm. like you, you don't pay my bills. Like, right. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, my family makes me happy. Like, so she ended up like, she, she ended up choosing, I know it sounds weird, but she ended up choosing her family over what people thought. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that is because, yeah. you know, now we have such, such a nice relationship. Heather will go over to my parents' house and like everything feels, it feels right. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like I have to be someone else when I'm at my parents' house. Which so is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. <clears throat> I don't know if you're okay talking a little bit about we kind of talked a little bit before the recording, but also because I got to meet you in person at workbench and you came to the panel and stuff I'm just curious like when it comes to social media you talked a little bit about that like fear of you know showing yourself does that go to the extent of like showing full self um in that space yeah um when I when I first started woodworking I was afraid to show my face period Mm-hmm. So that was like my first fear. Um, I took communication in college, but obviously <laughs> like that didn't help because I was always afraid to be on camera. Mm-hmm. I always had this phobia of hearing myself and I'm like, that's what I sound like. <laughs> and I think all of it was just, it was all in my head, like 100%. Mm-hmm. So I would have like these angles where all you could see was my hands and like me touching things, but you'd never see my face. And then I realized like, but you know, people aren't getting to see the face behind the things that I make. So I started showing like my face a lot more and started doing stories and Mm -hmm. being like my weird quirky self. And then I ran into like a second dilemma and that second dilemma being a lot of the people who I saw around me were, and not that it's it's a problem it's like right. a lot of the people that I saw woodworking were all like older white dudes mm-hmm. um I had a really like tough time like navigating trying to find other women who did mm-hmm. woodworking and when I did I was like oh follow follow right like, <laughs> like, there's another there's another woman like empowered to like right. build things with tools like and I was excited and the like the second dilemma was trying to find other people that I could relate to in the sense of like I don't want all my friends to be 
gay, but like I wanted to have like yeah. to see other like women who like we shared same experiences yeah. doing, you know, what I was doing. And I had like I wasn't like, do I do it first? Do I like <laughs> let other people know that I'm gay? Like what will like people think of me? And then I just like I felt like I just slapped myself in the face and I was like, you spent way too long hiding who you really were from the world. Don't start over again. Mm -hmm. don't go there and like you know you are happy just the way that you are why are you going to go back to not showing your authentic self every day Mm -hmm. on video so I started you know like openly talking about my wife and the fact that like behind the scenes like she does a lot Mm -hmm. um, and including her in my in my stuff in my stories like when we're not woodworking, sometimes we're in the kitchen making stuff together. And I was like, that's part of who I am. That's part of my life. And I want to share that. And I told myself, if there's people who don't want to see that, that's okay too. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be a part of this, right? Like, right. My space that I'm sharing, you know, with the rest of the world. So, well, and I think at least for, for me, like I said, at the panel, like I didn't, for the first couple of years, I didn't share at all anything about my wife. Um, I would share about my kids occasionally, you know, I would talk about them in, in stories. Cause when you become a parent, you lose identity with all of yourself. Um, so you have to talk about our kids um, <laughs> but beyond that, beyond that sad fact. Um, I, I didn't, you know, until she kind of brought up to me about her, 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 her feelings that I basically was like erasing her from this big part of my life. Um, and it's sad that it took that from her, you know, to, for me to be like, oh shit, like I need to correct that. Um, but even then when I like kind of started bringing it up, I didn't do that a lot. Part of that was fear because I do have people that like follow my social media that are part of my, you know, day job life. And I am not always open and out in that life um, because I do find myself in a lot of true small town. And I know you will get that joke, true small town, um, rural like places, you know, um, manufacturing places. And um, quite frankly, I don't, I don't feel safe enough to be out in those spaces. Um, And I have the privilege of passing when I want to. Um, and so knowing that and knowing they followed my social media, there was fear there too, right. Of like, what's, what's going to happen. And to be frank, like it wasn't even on social media that gave me like the final push. It was this realization, um, at the time my family and I were going to a, a Methodist church and there was, and still is this big fight, um, that the Methodist church started essentially hunting down the queers. Um, And so I, my church that we belong to was kind of fighting back. And so it ended up being like a local news story. And, you know, I got a call and was like, Hey, can you come to the church for a news story? And I was like, yeah, I'll just, you know, I just came and like did it. And then I realized afterwards, like, Oh shit. Like (laughs) I just like, across my entire region told everybody I was gay (laughs) shit (laughs) 
you know, and then, and then, then for my job, job, like I was going into spaces like the following few days and people being like, I saw you on the news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> okay. Moving along. <laughs> um, and, and that was like, so not social media at all, but that was just like, it was almost like a huge relief. Like, okay, everybody knows now. So there's like, no hiding it and I kind of just went like full in on it you know with like Instagram and stuff and I will say I feel like especially over the last year or so it's like I've had so many like new queer followers and it's like amazing like because it's just like you know I get messages and stuff of like just thank you for for using your voice and being out there and being proud and like sharing all this stuff. And, and I'm okay with being like the queer pie piper. I will do that. It's like, bring them all to me, bring them all. <laughs> it is like, it, I mean, it, it has to feel good. Like, you know, to be able to be that voice for, you know, so many people. And I, I know that it's not the same, but because for a huge, like part of my life, like, you know, I was fighting with that and the fact that like I shared, like I wasn't born here. So, right. you know, my parents came, we came to the United States when I was four. Um, my dad had a, we all had like passports and visas and yep. we were supposed to be tourists and we overstayed our welcome by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we stayed here and, you know, we got that the title of like of, of immigrants and yeah. I didn't realize what that meant. But I, in the town that I live in, although it's not a true small town, <laughs> um, the mentality is of one of a small town. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, of people in, you know, around the city, it's getting better. But growing up, it was like very, very different, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, being an immigrant, I heard all kinds of things and I had... I had no voice mm-hmm. because, you know, when I found out what it really meant being an immigrant, I was just like, oh shit. Like, okay. Um, so my parents would be like, you don't speak Spanish anywhere. Um, if anybody asks you were born in San Diego, like mm-hmm. you just, you don't give them reasons to keep asking questions. Yes. So I cleared up and tried really hard because Spanish was my first language right. to not not let any accent whatsoever ever escape my mouth because I had to speak proper English to not, you know, raise any red Mm -hmm. flags. Cause during that, like that time period, it was like, if you know of someone who's an immigrant, you know, call immigration. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And then they would deport you. And that was my biggest fear was being separated from my family. Mm -hmm. So I went to school (laughs) hearing like, you know, my classmates and people around me say some really effed up stuff Yeah. where I'm just like, that's not true. Like in, in my head, I'm like, I can't say anything because then they're going to be, well, how do you know? Right. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't tell them how I know. Like I'm one of the people that they're making fun of. Yeah. And it's just not being able to stand up for yourself and other people is why the minute I became a resident, I'm all like, no more. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, anytime, like I hear, nope, that's not true. And let me tell you why, if you want to have an open discussion about it, 
if I know that it's not going to change your mind one way or another, and you could tell like, you know, a couple sentences into a conversation, like you have your mindset and there's nothing that I can do to change it. And I'm not wasting, you know, any more time trying to like get it across because you don't want to understand. So I like was like, nope, anytime I can, like I will be like the voice for people who Mm -hmm. don't have one, who are stuck in that same situation that I have, because it's a really bad place to be in to Mm -hmm. fear so many things because fear itself sucks yes (laughs) Yes, so that's why and that's one of the reasons why when I started woodworking I'm all like no like there's other people fighting that same dilemma out there and I know that I'm not going to reach everybody but at least for the people who come across my channel like we'll know like this is who I am and it's okay to be you doing what you do right and there's nothing wrong with it and You know, and it's just to be that voice is just it in a way like it's just it's, it's still one of those things, though, of like. Like, I'm glad that you're in a space that you can be not only your own voice, but help be the voice of of others who still are without one. I still feel like, though, it's really the responsibility of those who look like me to to make waves in that like arena, um, you know, do our own homework, do our own, like all of that stuff, do things like, I mean, like as you're talking and, and realizing you're in California, I keep thinking, <clears throat> which I don't know if you've, it's a children's book, but I keep thinking about this book that we picked up separate is never equal. And it's about actually one of the first segregation lawsuits in, in the country. And it was in California. Um, and it wasn't um, in the 60s. I think it was in the 40s. It was in California. And it was uh, because of all of the, like, the Mexican migrant workers, um, they, like, all their children would be sent to the Mexican school, which was basically, like, usually a shack on a dirt road with, like, you know, it was horrible. It was horrible conditions, and it wasn't conducive to learning at all. Um, and so there was, like, I want to say three families I think that went to the Supreme Court and one um, <clears throat> about everybody being able to go to the school like in their neighborhood which just makes sense now right like we don't even question that um, but learning even just through that children's book like reading it with my kids and going oh my god like the thing <laughs> showing the signs saying like no dogs and no Mexicans allowed and I'm just like are you freaking kidding me like I don't like I just I don't I get so mad because I just I I think it's I get so mad because I just can envision like I I what I will never understand is how people don't have empathy how can you not put yourself like just to pause and go what if that was me what if that was my kids what it's like any of these other people that you massively care for what if that was what they were facing? Like, I don't understand how that's not enough to stop people from doing these things. (laughs) Now that you you mentioned that, um, I had in high school, I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Barnes, and I'll never forget her because she was probably one of the realest uh, teachers that I had. And she was honest one day. Um, And every time like, I, I can now I'd yeah. share 
like, you know, my story about, you know, growing up mm-hmm. and just how it's a little different, you know, growing up as an immigrant, like you don't get to do the things that most people perhaps may take for granted, like yeah. driving and, you know, just little things like that. And in high school, uh, there were there were the re- the reforms of like trying to kind of just now we have what's called DACA, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, it's it's a kind of just like a permit for immigrants to be able to work if they qualify mm-hmm. and go to school and pay in-state tuition and like mm-hmm. it helps a little bit towards school not a lot but just stuff like that and we were working towards that um, and she was hearing all these things and then she's all like I can safely say that I don't know. And it's kind of like, she was like, shame on me. But to be honest, like a lot of people don't care about it when it's not in their backyard. That's what she said. And I'm like, that's so true because we tell ourselves like, how can people not have empathy? But the thing is like, when it doesn't directly affect them, like they don't, they don't think about it too much. You know, they just, just, but, but that's the thing that boggles my mind. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. So like, I will say, especially on the... um, you know, Latinx, Latino, Hispanic, like front of like immigration. I have, I will say I have always been a voice against the stupidity of white people when it comes to that. And that's because like, especially like in high school, I've lived so much of my life in places that have meatpacking plants, which means there is a strong um, Hispanic, Latinx, you know, (laughs) like workforce there. Um, there's a and handsome so, guy with a mustache. Yes. A really nice one working. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, I lived in these communities and I would see the disparity between the communities. And then I hear the things from even some of my own family members. And I would get so upset um, that even like in a lot of these places that I work now for my, you know, job job, if which is manufacturing, which again preys on people. Um, who may not be here legally um, to be able to get by with cheap labor, which is horrendous. Um, like these places, I mean, my first place, my first job out of school was for Hormel Foods, and I'm not ashamed to mention them because they were horrible. Um, and they, just the way that the, everybody who was in management was white, every single person. And I was one of only four women out of 400 people in management at the plant I was at so pretty much all white men and like I remember my first day on the job um I was an 
an industrial engineer, which meant at that location, I got to do time studies, which means I get to go out with the time watch, time people doing their job, and I'm trying to look at how do I shave off a couple seconds from what they're doing so that we can get, you know, more money for that piece of meat that's coming off the line. And watching this and like hearing people talk, you know, like, oh, like 95% of our workforce doesn't speak English. And like talking about like how they're being looked at as like lazy or they don't do a good job or all of these things. And I'm like, really? Because I see them killing it out there. And the 5% that are old white men out on this floor are lazy, obnoxious human beings that I never want to see ever again in my life. Like just, I didn't, it, I was just so, I mean, I was within the system and constantly still fighting against the system. Um, maybe why I didn't last there very long, but <laughs> it was, you know, I was just so enraged and like how I point out to people, like you think it doesn't affect you. However, there's almost no white hands that produce food in this country. Almost none. <laughs> like, it's negligible. And if we lost, if you got your way and you send people where you think they're all from back to Mexico, which, hello, there's also a lot of Latin countries yeah. in this world. But if you send people back to where you think they come from, we will have no food in this country. Like, oh, none. Absolutely. <laughs> and I agree. Like, you know, I try to look at it as like, there, there are a lot of hardworking people yes. in this world. And um, a lot of it is just like our fundamentals yeah. of like, we're very heavy on family. So whatever it takes to make sure that there's food on the table, like yeah. that is the number one priority. So like growing up, like same thing, like we didn't have a lot. My dad was a mechanic, you know, mm -hmm. we're not from here. So he tried really hard to be and I, I know honest and mechanic usually never are in this, like are brought up in the same <laughs> sentence, but my right. dad said, I want to be able to help other people who don't have a lot of money mm -hmm. that, you know, unfortunately stuff like this happens, their car breaks down, they need to get to work. So I watched like my dad, like bust his ass every mm -hmm. single day. And I would be like, dad, like, you're not even charging them what you're supposed to. Right. Like, I know he's all like, but like, he would say things like it, but, but he told me his story and like how, you know, he's struggling and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, dad, I'm all like, and that's when I realized like my dad has a huge heart yeah, and like he enjoys like helping people. So as I'm like, I'm like, I see like a lot of like of him in me. And I'm just like, that's why like, yeah, my dad is just like kind and like humane and he wants to leave the world a better place than he found it in. And that's coming from someone who also dealt with like getting the shit end of the stick yes. a lot of the time. And his response was like, I'm not responsible for them. I'm responsible for me. And I just, I just want to be, you know, kind to the people that I meet because yep that's a that's a direct reflection of me yeah. and I was like oh that's that's so true because I've my poor dad I've watched him get scammed and I'm just like oh dad yeah <laughs> but, yeah, but growing up I didn't work at a meat plant but I worked at a furniture store and that was it I I didn't I wasn't able to work here but I was going to school and this was before DACA so mm -hmm. one day I get a phone call because I got accepted to Cal State Northridge and um, I was going to live in the dorms, 
but that lasted maybe two months because then we couldn't afford it. And my parents called me and they're all like, we're really sorry. Um, we were trying really hard, but we, we can't make this work. So mm-hmm. you have to figure out a way. And during that time, like I wasn't very knowledgeable about like any help, any scholarship. So yeah. I paid for, for the majority of my school out of pocket, like working like multiple jobs while going to school full time. And my, my parents still help as much as they could, but I worked at this furniture store and I got paid less than minimum wage. And I, I remember I'm like, well, work is work and I need to pay for textbooks and gas and rent. And finally, when, when DACA came about, like it was just a sigh of relief and you would pay $500 every two years to renew it. And it was, so I would be able to work legally in the U.S. and get in-state tuition. So Starbucks was actually the first company who gave me a job. And Starbucks is extremely open. Mm -hmm. Their motto is you come and you be your authentic self at work. And I appreciated that. I'm all like, I'm getting paid a little (laughs) bit more than minimum wage. Like, (laughs) and they're nice to me. And I get two (laughs) breaks and a lunch. Like I have it set. Like I was so excited. And I, I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, maybe like their first job, but I was just so excited that I got two breaks and a lunch. Like I like, I get, this is fun. Like I had a blast and I actually still work for them, take an absence to work a corporate job, which I hated. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went back to Starbucks again and it's like the same thing. Like I get to be my totally explains why I got to watch you like be the barista for people at workbench con. I was like, she's got like the skills, like she's, she's working the like multiple drinks coming back at one time. She's got it. The the, the shaker flips and all that stuff. Like it, it was fun. And I think part of the, the reason why I love my job is because I get to interact with so many people every single day and like have conversations and learn about their story and help develop because we call our employees, our partners, because they get shares of the company through stock. Um, So we're all called partners and I get to kind of help mentor them, even if they don't want to stay with Starbucks, like Mm kind of just be good human beings and wherever they end up, they are good human beings there. So I, I enjoy what I do and I'm just, I'm lucky that I'm in that place Mm -hmm. because it was totally different like beforehand. And I'm just, I'm, I'm happy. And it's just, I look back and I'm just like, I'm just grateful for like the opportunity to like now be a part of the United States to Mm -hmm. have like, to be able to do all the things that everybody else gets to do while they're here. Yeah. Yeah. Something that the rest of us shouldn't take for granted. That's for sure. Um, I I was going to ask, like, once you started, since you started woodworking, has that grown like a different type of relationship with your dad? Like, since you're both kind of like this hands on. Both my mom and my dad have grown. When I was younger, my dad would tell me um, because I would ask him like, dad, I want to learn how to change like oil. Like, I want to learn how to do some of the things that you do. And he said, like, why do you want to learn this? I'm like, so I, and that's always been the person who I am. Like, I just like learning new things, period. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I just, I want to learn how to do it. 
it's all like, well, I expect that once you get very like macho response, yes. that when you're older, like you don't have to do stuff like this. Other people will do it for you. And it's because, you know, they grew up doing mm-hmm. everything on their own that like in their mind, how like success is other people doing things for you. And he wouldn't let me touch like any tools. Um, and like my mom was the same way. I played soccer most of my life, but I fought with her to start playing because she said it was a man's sport. Um, so like, you can kind of see that growth there. Um, and now my dad's like, do you think you can make a sign for my shop? (laughs) And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) So like I framed up like a a new sign because he, he ended up moving, got a new shop. He's been in my shop and he like looks at things and I can kind of feel like the little kid in him. He's like, I used to take wood shop as like when I was going to school and I know what that is. And I know what that (laughs) is. And he's just so excited. I told him like, you have to help me build like a dog house, just like to find a project that I could actually do. Um, But instead he's like, no, but what I do need help is if you can install some swamp coolers in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, sure, dad, whatever you need, but it's, it's definitely, it's, it's different now. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to get to share, um, like, you know, cause he works with his hands every day. So yeah. like he sees me doing it and I'm, I'm pretty sure part of like his heart gets like a little warm. Cause like, yeah, like, you know, you're doing stuff like that too. <laughs> cause my brother's the complete opposite. Like my, my brother is extremely smart and he will find like methodical ways to not work as hard. And I'm over here. Like, I just enjoy doing it, period. And he's like, nope, that's not nope, for me. No. Like, I have no patience whatsoever. And the funny part is that he's a math teacher in high school. I'm like, you have to have a lot of patience to yes, work with kids. Yes. I'm like, but you don't have patience to come woodwork with me. Yeah, it's my, my two, my oldest, um, he's all into like video games and he's super, super smart and very like, you know, thought provoking stuff, conversations with him. Um, and then it's my daughter who's like, what are you doing in the shop today? I want to help. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? Awesome though. So it's like, it's always fun. Like, yeah. For my oldest, I'll get a list of like, mom, this is what I want. Can you make it? And <laughs> from my, from my youngest, it's like, this is what I want, but can I help you make it? That's like always her key um, negotiation tactic, right? It's like, she'd rather help make it, which is all good. Um, It takes a lot more patience when you're working with somebody who's really tiny. Um, (laughs) Like deep breaths, calm down. It will not be perfect and that will be okay. Um, But yeah, I think I wish I had somebody like, more in my family that I could really like I keep trying to get my sisters are so much younger than me they're almost 17 years younger than me and they're twins um and they both now well one owns a house with her husband and the other is house hunting and I'm like yes because then I can talk you into some home projects and then we can like finally have something to talk about together because they're both like like only because I love them, I wore a dress and heels for their like weddings. Like, I mean, and I still fought them very hard. On that fact. Oh, um, but, you know, it's like they're so far on the extreme, like the other side of me, like we've not never really had anything to like share in common besides like a parent. So like, yes, let's 
demo that wall yes great idea let's do that together <laughs> I, know. I i feel i feel your pain i i got excited when my little sister was born because i'm like oh i'm gonna have you know like a little sister and all this stuff and my sister's like the complete opposite of who i am as a person like yes. my sister, makeup and dresses yes and all this stuff and i'm just like yeah we literally have nothing in common <laughs> and then the only thing we have in common is music yeah. Like, she grew up hearing like the music that I would like bump when I was cleaning yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's like she'll like periodically tell me like do you remember and a little embarrassing like you remember when you used to bump like Coldplay and I was just like yep <laughs> I remember uh, or she'll bring up like albums that I would listen to. And I was just like, yep. She's like, yep. Thanks to you. That's why I like like these artists and like, like music is one of the things that we have in common, but, but building for sure is not. Um, my brother also purchased a home and I got excited, but his home was newer. So there really wasn't anything to remodel. <laughs> um, but his dog chewed up the molding around his door. So I got to fix that. And that was a first for me. I mean, I had to like, I just went and saw, um, I went to my one sister's house, which is fairly new to them. And like, they had bought all this furniture and they had bought it from a maker who I, I don't know their name, but they were selling stuff through Amazon. And I was like, you literally, hmm. like you literally, and then like, and she was like, and, and then we were like, so she was showing it to me and like, you know, being able to like school her on like, cause she's like, yeah, I don't know what fit you, what to do to like protect it. And I was like, you have a woodworker in your family and you didn't <laughs> like, maybe I need to make this more clear. Uh <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that pain. Yeah. I feel that pain when my mom buys, she ended up buying like, um, you know, those, uh, I don't know how to explain them. They look like farm tables. Yeah. Early. Yeah she bought one and I told her I'm like I could have made one for you right. and she's like well I know what's really expensive right now and I only got this for like 80 bucks and I'm looking at this table I'm like I can see why yes like <laughs> I'm like but it's okay I'm all like I get you you were trying to save you know like me some money because right. I mean I don't charge my parents to make them things right. like I just do it um and I'm like I, I get it I, I mean, like, I get, I do get it on my sister's end to a degree. Like they both still are owed wedding presents from me. You know, they each like picked out something for me to make for them. So they're still owed that, <laughs> um, but it is next on the list. Uh, so I do get that fact, but yeah, like explaining, like I asked, I had the opposite with my sister. I asked her how much she paid for the tables and I won't share how much. Cause it was like a ridiculous amount. And I was like, what? They said you paid that for pine. For stained pine, you pay the price for stained pine. I was like, "Talk to me next time." Ash, out of hardwood. Yes. Well, that's why I was like, "She's like, well, what's so wrong about pine?" And I was like, "You just told me you had to send the initial top back twice because of dents and dings to it. That's what's wrong with pine." <laughs> softwood yes like you, you put your fingernail in it and it indents into the wood 
Yeah, so she's like sitting here talking about like she wants these to be like heirloom pieces. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, if you guys decide to have kids, you wait until they're out of the stage of like, you know, stabbing the fork into the table uh, before you get something that's nice. And then you come talk to me (laughs) and we will work through what hardwoods you need to order. (laughs) So long as they're not like my mom, I made her like a butcher block and and she doesn't use it because she doesn't want to scratch it. I'm like, that is, that is literally the whole entire point <laughs> of this butcher block is for you to actually use it. And she's like, I know, but it's too nice to cut into. I'm like, I can resand it and refinish right. it for you. Like, please use it. That's, that's my, that's actually my wife. There's like so many things like she'll end up being like, she'll see me make it and I'll take it to a market or whatever. And then she'll buy it at the market. I was like, Number one, you're my wife. Like I could have just been like, you want that? Here you go. Number two, like once she has it, it like stays in a cupboard to stay nice. And I'm like, <clears throat> the intent is for it to be used. Because, because you know why we were we we grew up in the China generation. So like your your parents had like like it wasn't like for us, it wasn't great China, right, but it was right. like the better plates right, right, that lived right. in, in the glass cupboard. So it's like, you just, you want to cherish things and not use them. Yes, <laughs> uh, I get it. Uh, well, so uh, we're like at the end of our like podcast time together. Um, so I want to give you a chance to let people know how they can like find you and follow along with you and get to see all the fun food you make with your wife. Cause that's what I'm really there for is the fun food you guys make together. Ah, yes. <laughs> so I don't have a YouTube channel. The majority of my content is on Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. It's tk.woodworking. Um, you will see me there mostly in the afternoons. I usually don't post on Sundays because those are my personal days. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, you will see me like making random stuff because that's just who I am. I, I, I kind of like identify myself a little bit uh, with, you know, some makers who are like kind of jack of all trades, kind of Mm -hmm. like Joni. Um, I like love learning new things. So nothing in my channel is usually like repetitive. There are new things. So I also do like to cook Mexican food, grill pizza, uh, and you'll watch, you can see all that in my stories and you get to follow along with like my quirky, semi-funny self. So I love it. I love it. Um, and you know, I, I have learned from watching your stuff. Like there's no way I could hang with you food wise. Like my Midwestern white ass could not hang with you food. You know what? I thought I was going to have like a similar problem with Heather in my mind and my mom still does it to her we'll go over to my parents house and my mom will go like mija and she'll say in Spanish she's all like tiene chile and like <laughs> she'll be like that it has like like chili yeah, in yeah. it and like that she's that Heather's about to eat it yeah. that I can't give it to her and I'm like mom like I wish you were there when she makes chilaquiles because so you know my dad would cook on Sundays yes. that was just like our tradition and uh, he would make chilaquiles and he would make them from scratch. So Heather picked his brain, got the recipe, but then added more chilies um, to the chilaquiles sauce to make potatoes. So she would be like, I like chilaquiles, but I want them in potatoes. So she would put extra chilies to the point where I'm like, this is hot for me. Right. So I had to explain that to my mom and like, she can hang. 
Like she eats chili all the time. She puts it in her pozole. But yeah, like she loves like when we cook Mexican food and mm. I enjoy it because it's a part of like me right. growing up, the foods yeah. that I ate. So I get to share it with someone else. So you can, you can see that in my stories too. Yes, <laughs> I love I, uh, I will say I did have a slight increase of tolerance to spice. Like I used to be like no spice. Like my wife can handle the spice and she would be like, oh, this isn't spicy. And I would take a bite and I'd be like, I need to talk to somebody who has like no taste buds. <laughs> this is spicy to me. But then like after, um, after I had my youngest, my daughter, like something about her pregnancy, like I was eating like super spicy wings from like Buffalo Wild Wings and stuff like, and no problem. So it's gone up a little bit, but still like, there's still a level of like, I can't hang when you start talking, like throwing some chilies in. I'm like, Mm-mm. <laughs> I have to though. Like we, we grow some like chilies and habaneros and all that stuff in the backyard so they have to go to use (gasps) (laughs) that's okay that's okay Um, I would just sweat a lot if I ate your food (laughs) Uh, well thanks so much for like chatting today it's been fun it has thank you so much for having me um I just I really enjoyed like getting to share a little bit about myself so thank you Absolutely. All right. So again, that was Thelma Kennedy of TK Woodworking on Instagram. Great time chatting with her. You can find the link on how to follow along with her in the show notes for today's episode. And the best place to find those are in the description for the episode on your podcast app. You, If you happen to be watching this on the Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel, then check the description box down below. And you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find today's episode as well as all the previous episodes. Um, Like I kind of said at the beginning, if you are enjoying the podcast and would like to support it, there's several options to do that. So first, make sure you're following along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. And then hit the link in bio there and you can get to Patreon so you can become a monthly ongoing supporter and get your name added at the start of the episode as a thank you. You can um, also through that link, there's an option to do a one-time donation. And then there's uh, several ways to um, help the podcast out without any funds at all. Um, One being to share about the podcast, the other to make sure that you hit like and subscribe. And um, if you could leave a review, especially over on iTunes, all of that really helps the podcast out. Um, Let's all those different algorithms know that people are enjoying it. And so they let more people know about it. And um, Once you're over on Instagram following along with the podcast, which is Crafting a Revolution, again, you might want to also say hi to your host. So you can say hi to me, Katie Freeman of Freeman Furnishings on Instagram, or say hi and or say hi to Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking over on Instagram. So come on over and say hi. This is one of two new episodes this week. So we have one more coming up. And in the meantime, as always, let's go craft a revolution. Solution for the toxic masculinities Pollution is the constant evolution of-